0: Hello, this is Matt Hale with Art Monthly on Resonance 104.4 FM and I'm joined today by Colleen Milliard and Mark Prince. Mark's on a phone line from Berlin. I believe that's where he is. He's what he said he was, anyway. And Colleen is sitting next to me. And um, we're going to discuss um, two or three things. Um, We're going to start off by saying we're definitely talking about two. We may add a third review at the end if we have time. We've got half an hour. And um, the first thing we're going to talk about is a feature by Mark Prince called The Art of Literary Art. And then the second thing is by Colleen, which was a report on a conference, and it was called the Falmouth Convention. And we're going to begin with Mark's feature, The Art of Literary Art. Um Now, Mark, you say in, in your piece, and I'm, I'm not starting at the beginning with this quote, so forgive me for that, but it was so... um I thought worth picking out, and it would get the ball rolling. Um, you say contemporary art has become a neat bundle of signs that can be readily unpacked and digested to present promotable art, and it has it's shallow and referential. <laughs> and I, <laughs> no, it, I thought you'd like that. And I, um, what I'm really saying is, um, you've chosen to write about art and literary art, or art which uses language only or as well. Um, And you're saying, I think, in your feature, that there's a kind of possible reaction against the art, which I've just quoted you as describing, um, where people are going back a bit, perhaps, and looking at the language art of the 60s. Um, Am I Uh, correct in saying that that you thought there's, like, a new thing happening, perhaps, or been growing up?
1: Well, I think when I... um I think that the, that quote was um, about thinking about how narrative manifests itself in contemporary art, and in and and, and how um, maybe art which um, is using literary devices or incorporating literature uh, into as content or as um, or, or or as a process within it within is. Possibly um, arising out of a desire for narrative, a desire for a kind of um, a narrative which is, which I'm comparing to uh, the kinds of narrative which you get in art, contemporary art, which is um, referential, which is elusive in various ways, and, and and this is one way in which contemporary art is is um, it, it creates narratives. Um, and I'm, and I'm making a comparison between between the, the, narrat- the narrative that you the narratives you find in, in, in literature and in and also in, 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 in possibly in art which um, which uses literature or or um, uses literary devices and this kind of referential or elusive art which which is kind of um, uh, quite current and common and uh,
0: these days, because you say you um, it's a desire for a fully evolved narrative vehicle, as opposed to the shallow referentialism. I'm just really trying to pull out this kind of. I mean, I know I'm getting at, the, at you early, as it were, but I'm just trying, just in order to understand the difference. Say, maybe the best way of doing that would be to to say when you use examples in your feature, you know, educationally, as it were, to, from from the '60s. Say, so, say we have Carl Andre. And um, Lawrence Weiner, and then you move up to more contemporary people like um, Bethan Hughes and Francis Stark. And uh, talk a little bit about those those artists, maybe starting with the sixties, so so that people know what what form we're talking about in this art, you know, in this sort of language art. Well,
1: the uh, in the in the sixties and in the late sixties and early seventies, language became. Uh, a medium in which in which contemporary art was being created uh, m- increasingly so and 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 I'm, and I'm looking at the ways in which a, a, a lot of minimalist art um for example the art of lawrence Rina and uh, and Carl andre use language um as a medium um, yeah. in, in, in in a way that's that sometimes resembles poetry and sometimes resemble, resembles what was happening in contemporary poetry. Um, and, and I'm making comparisons and contrasts between the two cultures, between literature and, and art, and how language changes when it becomes, when it enters this new context, this new frame.
0: Yes, yeah, because and, and I, and I wanted to get this in because it was a piece of work I remembered. We had on the cover of Art Monthly years ago um, when Lawrence Wiener did a piece in Venice with breadcrumbs and he put the words die bum on i'm not or, i'm not quite sure what it, what it means what it what it what it's how you say it exactly but then pigeons came and ate the words <laughs> um, Brilliant. and and and, it, and that was a kind of and that's that is a definite mixing isn't it of of text and art because it's very visual it's, it has a very clear form sure, and it,
1: yeah and, and venus work is is constantly doing that in, in, and and it's also very literary so that it, in some ways um he is, the way he's the way he's using language is sometimes quite difficult to distinguish from the way say a contemporary poet is using language, a contemporary American poet. So I make comparisons between um, the the work of Wiener from the late sixties and the work of say John Ashbury yes, who's yes. a contemporary American poet. And and look try to think about how in fact in some ways they although they're they're operating in, in, in different fields, there are there are very strong connections and overlaps in terms of the way they're using language, even though they're using it to different ends, as it were.
0: Yes. I, I don't know Ashby's work well, but, um, yeah. but basically, to me, the obvious difference is that is one is put on a wall in a specific place or it might be a cast-iron drain cover or it's, you know, by Wiener, right. where and Ashby presumably wouldn't do anything as specific as that.
1: Sure, but I mean for example the the, the piece I 'm talking about, the statements work, which is one of the earliest works in which Lawrence Weiner used language, this was something which is printed in a book right it was it was yeah. text on paper and, and 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 laid out in a very precise way on paper which is not so different from um, a lot of the very minimal or precisely laid out um Text which you see in contemporary in books of contemporary poetry. Yeah.
0: Hi,
2: so
1: hi. yeah,
0: yeah. Let Colleen, Colleen's going to come in for a second.
2: Um. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Um. What seems striking from the example you're talking about is they've got this really kind of dry aesthetic. Really, you know, the the, the typewriter on on the piece of paper. But there's a, a whole other tradition. I'm thinking specifically of Alan Rupersberg or um, Ed Ruscha, for example, which were also specifically American. But not looking perhaps as towards poetry, but more towards advertisement.
1: Sure, yeah, and, and I was interested particularly in, in in writing about or in thinking about a lot of those artists who who it seems to me the, a lot of the minimal the minimalist artists, as opposed to painters or or um, uh, uh, who who were, who were who were in a way it seemed to me to be very close in terms of the way they were they were using language to to, to poetry and to contemporary literature yeah so of course language language reaches out from art to, to the culture in all kinds of circuitous ways yeah. through uh, to 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 advertising to to and and i talk about how conceptual art from the late 60s and early 70s which is kind of contemporary to a lot of the minimalist work i'm talking about in fact tended to um, tended to use, langu- use language from, from different, to, 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 be, to be working with language which is more um, legal language or philosophical language or scientific language rather than poetic language. And I really, really was really interested in how literary language, the work, language which, is, which comes out of literature, was it being used by artists or being, yeah. So, of course, yeah, it's a different, there, are different, there are different ways in which art reached out to language or used language.
2: Absolutely. I think in Rupert's case, there is also a very strong uh, link with literature. Yeah. I spo- um, particularly the piece where he, he copied the whole uh, picture of Dorian Gray on huge canvases. And I suppose he, he said he, he did it because he wanted to learn how to write. But I suppose there was yeah. something about the artistry of, of being a, a writer and the effort put into actually writing a book and trying to kind of test out his own position as an artist versus being, being a writer kind of things. Because um, so, it seems like as if he was kind of fighting against Oscar Wilde himself, sort of thing, saying I can oh, do yeah, it as well.
1: I think that it's quite. It's, it, it's one of the interesting things that happens when when um, artists um, become writers, as it were, within their own work, is that it it, it, it raises the boundaries to some extent. That the, the conventional boundaries between what we what we consider to be a writer and what we consider to be a visual artist. So you you end up with these interesting hybrids, and it also it changes the sense of what what these whether 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 the boundaries lie, and that's very interesting, I think. Yeah, you
0: you say of, of, of Wiener that his um his accept, subsequent acceptance of the poetic bias of his work allowed him to continue using words as his primary medium. I mean, in other words, he but he's I presume you mean his recognition of of his dependence on another. Uh, form or no joint you know cultural form meant that he could actually make make another form, but he had to rely on it or
1: i think that that i was i was, when i said that i was comparing him to very often the these two when, when you have a, a a combination or a class or a- or bringing together of these two separate cultures you have it, it doesn't it my point is that usually it doesn't work. You end up with a kind of conflict which doesn't resolve itself, and and each of the the artists remain artists, and literary, um, the literary the the literary writers remain literary writers, and they may cross over into the other's field for a short like um, for a short time, or for for a little for an experiment, but then they come back again. And I think that Vina and my point is that in order to actually use art in a, in a in a in a literary way Wiener had to in a way make make a kind of confession and i think that that's what that his work his work involved recognizing to some extent that language had to have a certain primacy within the work because it's very powerful in relation to the way that it when, when it bec- when language becomes um incorporated within a visual context it's it's very it, it's very powerful in a way. It tends to, it it often tends to to, to shout to shout over the images. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you you
0: you often feel that. Um, I mean, you look at work and you think, well, hang on, how? I just feel even when I'm looking at Wiener, something I think, how is this actually different to poetry? And, he, and it, it's only when it's really successful for me that it that it does suddenly go, wham! There's something different here, and I think that's marvellous when it happens. But I agree, he has to he has to make that. Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 it's risky. the
1: way he, he he gets. He, he gained something by not by not functioning within a poetic context.
0: Yeah, Let, let's just let's just try and quickly bring in some of the contemporary artists you mentioned as well, because I think yeah. it's interesting that that we mentioned. You know, I, I tried to say at the beginning. You know, you're saying that maybe there's a new a, a newer or a slight resurgence going on. Perhaps I, I'm not trying to be journalistic about it, but you you say Bethan Hughes, for instance, narrating over her film Fountain, and you mentioned Becky Beasley... Lengthy text accompanying her show, and then and, and also Frances Stark. Well, I believe she was actually colour penciling the typewritten fonts of Andre text. Have I got that right?
1: No, no, she wasn't. But sorry, I think that, that there is a. She was she was t- using a coloured pencil to imitate the the, the 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 print of a of a manual typewriter. Right. Um, but but and she was and the 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 text that she was um, putting into this form were were often text qu- quoted from 20th century literature like Samuel Beckett or right. Robert Musil, and I think that that it was yeah I mean I think when, I, when I'm talking about the more recent work, I was interested in how um, they were there was a kind of acceptance of the fact that the two cultures or the two fields or whatever you want to call it yeah. don't don't gel they don't come together and that, that it was possible then a lot of this work functions by trying to exploit that conflict, by trying to accept yeah. it and use the tensions that arise when the two fields clash.
2: Mark yeah. oh sorry. Yeah. Uh, you, you talked about the I mean which something which is very um, relevant to uh, contemporary art, which is a craving for narrative. And I I just have identified um, quite a lot of people also have this this new trend, younger artist I'm thinking, Simon Fujiwara Alexander Singh, Trisvanamichel, who seems to have integrated storytelling as part yeah. of, of their practice and it, the, the lecture performance, um, a type of type of art practice. I was wondering how or where would you place these practices in relation to um, literary art, so to speak?
1: I think that I think that uh, the, the art of someone like Trisvanamichel is fits within is an, is another example which I didn't choose to to write about but i think he his work is um is is, is another manifestation of, of, of what i'm talking about i think yeah yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and i think about that and i think that this this you're right colleen i think there is a i agree with you that there is a a, a current resurgence of storytelling in visual art and and, and i'm interested I was interested in, in thinking about why that is and what
0: what, can I can I just ask you when you what? when I think of narrative, um, there's there's a kind of wonderful openness, say to to, to Wiener, Wiener's poetry. And when I think of storytelling, it's Wiener's it, not writing poetry. No, no, but no, but he's more. It's very open. In in to, if you read, well, okay, tell totally me I'm wrong, it's fine. But but I'm thinking of narrative. Do we mean narrative is a very like you know once upon a time there was and people? It sounds what one sounds really conventional and one sounds and i know Wiener was was trying to broaden um literate literature in a sense as wide as it could go Do
2: i it? if i if i may um i think I, I, at least in my view in the, in this instance there is a very diff um, a main difference which is Wiener and all the people using text as visual material yeah. uh, on the one hand and people like Van Michel who actually uses voice and then the literary presence is only um, I- in the voice speaking so that the visual support will be something else it could be photographs uh,
1: well, yeah. well I, I'm not I mean I, I I don't I think that in, in Tris von Amichel's work you have you, you have you, you see that maybe he does a performance at the beginning of the, of the exhibition but, but when you visit the exhibition later there are typewritten uh, transcriptions of this thing, which look very often like certain forms of of um, prose poem and uh, of contemporary prose poems, and I think that that, that in that sense it's very it, it, it's it's it's, it's the, 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 there is the same crossover and the same ambiguities between the two fields going on there, and, and in terms of how narrative is going to be um, presented and, and how you can. And, and what it means to have that kind of narrative in a context in which you're you're, you're entering and expecting to find something visual, what it means, how it, how it functions.
2: But couldn't it, could it be the opposite of of Wiener, for example, who actually set up a written instruction, and then the work may or may not happen, as you famously said, and Von um, Michel, who actually does a performance, and then as documentation leaves traces, which are type written. Sheets of it's paper. true. It's
1: true. I suppose I suppose you have it. You have a different kind of. Um, cause and effect um process a different, a different one thing in one case you have you have a language which is in a way triggering or a cue for, for an event which might or might not happen and probably in the end doesn't need to happen um because the language usurps it re- replaces it and on the other hand you have a, the language as a record of an event that has already happened Mm-hmm. Um, but in in each case, I think that, that it becomes very interesting to look at the form in which the language then takes. That that all, it struck me when I saw some of, when I saw a, a show of, of Triswana Mikkel's work in Berlin recently, that that, the, that those transcriptions were, were laid out in very particular ways, in which 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 was, in a way, comprehended its its relation to certain kinds of uh, concrete poem or prose poem.
0: Listen, Mark, that's fantastic, and um, yeah. uh, we, I th- we've been on, I think, for a little over 15 minutes, so w- let's let's try moving across to what Colleen wrote about now, if that's OK with you. Um sure, yeah. uh, the, the connection I'm going to make, which is uh, uh, probably crass, is uh, w- but something that hasn't happened, that may happen, <laughs> as in with a wiener with a work, is Manifesta in Cornwall. Uh, that is a, in other words, w- w- manifesto, which is um, we will describe what it is in a minute. Um, is something you apply to try and have occur in a region, and the region is Cornwall. And um, there was a conference um, called the Final Convention, which um, Colleen went to and and uh, wrote a, a sort of summary review of in, in Art Monthly. Colleen, let's just um, make that leap. W- what is manifesto? Because I'm mentioning manifesto, but it, I believe you say in your piece that it was the idea behind the creation of the Falmouth Convention was the possible application or, 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 or attempt to get Manifesta to come to Cornwall. What is Manifesta?
2: Well, Manifesta, very, very simply, is a European biennial, uh, which, uh, unlike most biennial, change location um, each time it happens. Um, so it's just about to open in October in Murcia, in Spain. Um, the link with the Falmouth Convention... Where at some point a group of people, um, among which Jurisic Lido, who's also a monthly um, contributor, started thinking about the possibility for Cornwall to host a manifesto. I think the first, they first started to think about 2012 and then pushed the idea back to 2014. So, over the course of um, a year or so, a kind of a think tank kind of gathered and really tested the feasibility of, of this idea. And as uh, they went along, I think they really started to think about what what would that mean to have a an international profile event, a contemporary event in Cornwall, and they, they set up the Falmouth Convention to kind of expand on those ideas. At the moment the Falmouth Convention hap- literally happened, I think they already had moved on a little bit from, from the bid itself, so to speak, and tried to... Broaden the issues um, in terms of you know what would that mean to have artists coming to Cornwall? What does that mean to bringing people in um, in a in a local they don't know? And are they going to be able to um, to make relevant work? And yeah,
0: I, I understood that the, the the current I mean what manifesto has le- become is uh, it, I, mean, I think it changed, but it's now region based as opposed to city based, and and there's no overall curator, and they they have. They work, try to work with local existing groups of curators or art collectives and and, and local institutions to to create the the well the is I think you'd call it an exhibition, but it would be in different venues. Uh, and and that that's that's presumably something that that I would have thought would be quite an interesting thing for Cornwall, to happen to Cornwall. I mean, for those people who live in Cornwall as artists and art.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose this is a the the problem that international biennials have been having for. Since they pretty much exist, you know, how much can you actually engage with the people living in the place it happens? Um, what they mean for a foundation to come in with some cultural agendas and so on and so forth. I mean, obviously, it, it, it could uh, be great for Cornwall to have something like Manifesta, but it would still be a kind of outside foundation being brought in, sort of thing, even if they do work with local people. And then you know the whole. The question is, how do you work with local people? What does that mean? Is that good? Is that better? Don't you risk to be kind of parochial if you, sure. um, you know, only work with local people? Perhaps. I mean, I'm thinking of a completely different context. For example, that was quite recently in Algeria, and one of the problem young artists over there is they don't see international work. They don't really know, and it's difficult to access. And therefore, what's happening in, in the schools is quite. Yeah, you know, parochial and really So, in other words, to
0: bring in people from... In, in, international artists into Cornwall, although they may come from without knowing Cornwall, they actually may bring something into Cornwall which it may
2: be, be good for to them to see, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy A problem. jolt, as it were. Exactly. Well, it's not a, an easy problem, you know. The idea of being completely local could be um, a real issue, and I'm, I'm not sure it's Ta- Talking of,
0: of, of this, I mean, the, the key speaker of the conference was Lucy Lippard, yes. incredibly famous um, writer and... and, and an art person, um, she, what did she talk about?
2: Well, Lucy talked about um, New Mexico. <laughs> That's her field of... I mean, she's a New Mexico historian now, but I think more more importantly, she's very... Since her book in this 1997, The Law of the Locals." she's been developing the thesis of uh, the idea of belonging to a place and how can one... Cultivates one's roots. Yes, which place. which might
0: bring up the idea of residencies,
2: which does. Um,
0: Artist residencies, I mean.
2: Well, I suppose uh, Lucy, d- during her, her speech, was really really critical of uh, artists being brought in um, a biennial context in a country they've never been to and asked to produce an artwork. Um, what? We'd, I mean, to be honest, it seems like a, like a it fair... It sounds like, like a very fair... Like a, it seems like a fair, fair enough point, but I, I was really um, interested by the reaction that Tacita Dean had. Yes. Um, who just... Went straight back and said, "Well, uh, that happens to me all the time, and it is difficult. It's excruciating." You mean,
0: you mean she, she was saying I have been, I have been I've been I've been brought in yeah, from outside, and I've tried to work with base, but she found it. She, she success it was useful. and Successful. She said for that her. her best
2: pieces were made in such situation, and she talked about the importance and the power f- of ignorance. In I thought that was a quite a ignorance of word. the of the place. Of the place, and yes, maybe because not
0: not of ignorance. Cause, I mean, actually, you know, th- that I think it is interesting that someone with a different idea might come in and. Uh, Say to some people, I've got this different approach. You you could be doing it this way, <laughs> or yeah, it, it whatever.
2: Could, it could be like real ignorance or misunderstanding. But maybe misunderstanding is important. I'm yeah. I'm not completely ready to kind of you know give up on misunderstanding as something. No, and this enough. this is what happened
0: at the conference. And Lucy Lippard, did she have? I mean, did she try to defend that uh, her, her position? Against that or was it, was she was she interested in that?
2: She was, but I I was surprised at how little she defended her position against the city. I was expecting her to really yeah. react really strongly and she was more saying like, oh well yeah, you'll have to tell me about what you Well doing. that's that maybe that's
0: interesting <laughs> that she did that.
2: Um so so yeah, and I mean the the question of the residency then came coming up. Um because you had people who've been uh, working with residency quite a lot, like Kitty Scott from the Band Center in Canada, which seems to be this amazing art center in the middle of the Canadian montane where um, artists are invited to, to stay for a while. Yeah. Um, you had Adam Sutherland from Grisdale. And I, I think that they defended two very different positions. One being, um, so Kitty Scott really um, being for the, the open ending residency, doesn't have to be, have an outcome, no pressure. On artist and so on and so forth and, and Adam Sutherland took the complete opposite direction and said well I'm bored of freedom as he said and he said also M- maybe there's this myth of the artist as this exceptional being that could just be dropping in a luxurious place and yeah. do nothing for yeah. a few months and that's good enough it is
0: a, It's a pretty unresolvable argument in a way, isn't it? Because you, they both sound right to me. They
2: do. I mean, I, I, I don't have any solution. I think that the, the key question as well is, is a re- residency good at all? Um, yeah. Is rarely asked and yeah. certainly never answered.
0: I know one residency where people go and they, their marriages should, seem to break down. I've known a number of people who've gone on this. One residency, and every time they've gone, they've come back and they've broken up with their partners. It's one effect of residences not, not not so good. But man, Manifesto, you say, was back on the table on the last day. Um, and and t- Teresa Gledow chaired a, p- a panel um, of, of a few people discussing it. I mean, do we do we now know? It, is is there going to be um, a, a manifesto bid from Cornwall?
2: I don't think so. I don't know. I. It's very difficult to know. I think during the conference, the the relationship between the Farmer's convention and um, manifesto was always a little bit unclear. And. But now, um, the more it goes, I think there's two key uh, points here. One, that the people who've been involved in thinking about uh, Manifesta and Cornwall are perhaps less inclined that they may have been to start with. Right. And maybe thinking that there are other solutions than bringing an international foundation. Maybe they could... Do something um, a grass- at grassroots level that could kind of of their own. Of M- their maybe, own. maybe starting
0: their own biennale.
2: Well, perhaps. who knows? Or other structures, developing residencies. Who yes, knows? Yes. But I, d- I really don't think that you know they will do. And the second point is also very very real: is that to, in order to apply to Manifesta, you have to put up. Well, it prove that you'll be able to... Is it three million pounds? Three million oh, euros. euros,
0: sorry, euros.
2: Three million euros. Which is a lot of money. Which is a lot of money. And I think the, the original idea well, that the Arts Council England would provide um, 60% of that sum... But it's not likely. It's not likely it's not, in the Not, not, in two, not
0: 2010 <laughs> August. Mark, I'm sorry, we haven't brought you into that conversation at all. I apologise. I hope um, It's been really good of you to come on the programme, and uh, I hope we've covered your feature well. We're, we're, we're nearly running out of time now. Um... We've got a a bit more, but um, I'm going to say thank you to both of you now before I go and blurb on about subscriptions for Art Monthly. So, Colleen Milliard and Mark Prince, thank you so much for coming on and talking again about your writing for Art Monthly. Um, This was all about writing in the July-August issue of Art Monthly, which is easily obtainable through a subscription, which we highly recommend. There's a special offer for Resonance listeners of 30% discount. Just go to our website... Or email subs at artmonthly.co.uk and say you heard the offer on Resonance Radio 104.4 FM. And um, once again, thank you all for listening and thank you for Colleen and Mark for coming on the programme. Much appreciated. Goodbye, this is Matt Hale.